This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to episode 229 of the Stacey West podcast. My name is Gary. I seem to be your host every week at the moment. I am joined by Chris Lamming. How are you doing, my friend? Hello. Very, very well. Thank you. How are you? Excellent. I'm very well. Thank you. Now, Chris and I have got a massive task on today because we've got to fill a podcast uh, talking about Shrewsbury Town. There's no game on Tuesday, so this is one of the um, one of the the pitfalls, dare I say, of us doing a, a, a two twice weekly podcast. Is that if you get a nil nil draw and there's no game on a Tuesday, and I know we didn't draw nil nil, by the way, um, but you're going to struggle to talk about it. Um, but it's still been an eventful week. There's still plenty to talk about. First of all, we can talk about our little podcast night out on Thursday. You, me, uh, and Ben was there as well. Charlie, uh, obviously not there, but we were we were out in town at the Drill Hall. And just a, a word on that, it's Lincoln-based, not Lincoln City, but it's Lincoln-based. Um, the Drill Hall are doing really well with gigs and stuff at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, really impressed with the Drill. Uh, we saw Ferocious Dog, one of our favourite bands, uh, play there. It's rare, you know, growing up in Lincoln to see kind of big bands and bands that I like playing locally. And I kind of forgot that it was in Lincoln halfway through, just, in, I mean... Such a good time, brilliant night, enjoying the whole thing. Kind of lost myself a little bit and kind of just popped back in my mind every few minutes thinking, this is just down the road. This is in my own home city. This is great. Uh, yeah, it was a brilliant night. Now, you made a friend, didn't you? A big blonde woman. She had her eye on you. Oh, my God. You scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so basically we we went in what what the youth might term the pit so we were down at the front and it's i stay out of there usually with a fragile back a bruise like a peach i don't like physical confrontation i don't like semi-naked men touching me when they're all greased up and sweaty but for some reason um i decided to uh to go down the front for this one and there was it was all relatively good humoured, as good humoured as it can be. Pushing, shoving, nobody was doing the punches, which is quite good. The music's great. Everybody looks after everybody. And then there was this one woman, um, and, and she was built like, I don't know, like a tank. 
um, late 50s, I would have put maybe even, maybe even touching on the old 6-0. And every time the music slowed down, she was looking around for a victim and she selected you, didn't she, on a couple of occasions? And she come at you with elbows yeah. and fists. El elbows to the throat a couple of times, yeah. A bit of playful sh pushing and shoving in the mosh pits, great. Getting the shit kicked out of you, basically, by, by someone probably isn't the most the most enjoyable. But it was it was a very, very small, very, very small issue on a very, I, very largely positive evening. I think that she just didn't like XG. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Well, you know, fully justified then. Fully justified. <laughs> the, the crazy you know, they're giving everyone permission at Central Bank then, like in the fan zone pre-game. Hey Chris, I don't like XG, and they give me an elbow to the throat. <laughs> yeah, it's a trend that we don't want to start. Um, and also, at one point, I don't know if it was a podcast listener or, or just a Stacey West reader, I was actually in in the pit, and I took a, a step out, and there was a guy next to me, and I just turned to him and kind of went, "Wow, I'm knackered." He went, uh, "Well, you're doing well, Gary." And I'm like, "I mean, it's in Lincoln, so it shouldn't be surprising that." But I'm like, "I don't, I don't. Oh, you you know me?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah." He goes, "I was reading all about you coming to this gig on your website." I'm like. Didn't even realize I'd written it and said it. So, but it was, yeah, it was, it was good. It was nice. And even Ben, I think, came to the front at the very end. But he sent a message to our WhatsApp group and I had to chuckle. And Ben, if you're listening, um, I'm going to take the piss, even though you're not on the podcast. So he sent to our WhatsApp group, uh, it'll be before yesterday's game, but it was, uh, yeah, I, I must have been much more hungover. Uh, than I realised last night, or something along those lines. Much more inebriated, I think, was the word he yeah. used. Was that was it? Was that what it used? Was it? Oh, I must I think be much, so. much more, much more inebriated than um, than I thought. Do you know what? Oh, there we go. I was apparently more inebriated than I thought last night. Now, we had two in the Ivy Club before we got the bus. Uh, we had one in the mailbox before Ben arrived. So we were three pints ahead of Ben when he first arrived. And we had one afterwards as well. I mean, by we, I mean me and Dave, because Chris likes to kind of take it easy at times as well. Um, yeah, lightweight, I'd say, Ben. I can't I can't criticise because of what you literally just said about me. Uh, yeah. I, I was saying with you with the pints, I just went on a couple of shorts. I just need to be drunk enough to dance. As long as I get myself to the state where I can, you know, jump about for 90 minutes to two hours. I'm happy as Larry. And uh, by the way, I checked my my watch afterwards. My average heart rate for that set was 170. Average. Well, burnt, burnt 1,200 calories, not including resting calories. This is all active calories. 1,200 calories in 90 minutes. God, I wish I could do that in the gym. Well, do you know what? It's a good job that you did something that got your heart rate up this weekend um, because watching Lincoln City on Saturday afternoon until probably 65 minutes, and we'll come to that, uh, there was very, very little to get our heart rate up at all, uh, which is as smooth a segue as you will ever hear. So, yes, yesterday as we're recording, you might be listening later in the week, so it won't be yesterday, um, just to break kayfabe there. City went to Montgomery Waters Meadow, possibly. I know it as the new meadow. The One new of the few. Meadow. Yeah, I played on that, by the way, uh, as poacher. So it doesn't technically count, but we did a battle of the mascots in 2010. Anyway, so we went to Shrewsbury. Um, tough conditions in terms of the wind, sunshine, windy, blustery. 
against the side that I thought was still a reflection of Steve Cottrell's side in the way that they set up and the tactics that they had. Their, their fans might disagree. And for the first 45 minutes of the game, uh, it was a very, very tough game to watch. Um, so we had it on. I was in Bulgaria watching it. You were in Berlin, I think, watching it. I was, yes. Lovely. Um, and yeah, yeah, Bulgaria was 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 very nice at this time of year. Very nice indeed. Um, the fact that we're laughing and joking about where we are and that we've talked about music for seven minutes before we've come into it probably shows it, it was a game. You know, sometimes they say things like, oh, it's a great advert for League One football. And I think that was the antidote um, to League One football. If you suffer from League One football addiction, we have the antidote for that. You can watch the first half of Lincoln versus Shrewsbury from yesterday and it will put you off football for as long as you need to, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a tough watch that first 45. A few notable points, I suppose, before the game even started was the lineup. So there was uh, Tyler Walker's making the start ahead of Ben House. That surprised you? Mark... It did, yeah. In context, not so much. And Mark Kennedy said, you know, Miranda Ben House is only a few weeks into being a new father and he's probably not getting a lot of sleep. So I think there's an element of that involved. Um, but I was, I, was, I was surprised, not going to deny that. Brown onto the bench. He got brought up at half time, of course, on Tuesday night against Northampton. Burrows shifted across to left wing back. And Lass Sorensen came back into the frame for another start. The right wing back I thought was very, very good. One of the shining lights, to be honest, uh, in a below par attacking performance from the team. And then, of course, Adam Jackson making a start uh, and TJ not even making the squad despite travelling. Uh, I think that's a little bit about horses for courses, to be honest, and a little bit about knowing the, the type of game that you're going to be in for. And Jacko is probably just that little bit more suited to the style of match that we were going to be subject to in that, in that uh, game against Shrewsbury. I think a couple of statistics that say it all really about the first half in that both sides' passing accuracy was less than 70% in the first half. Um, Lincoln's was 60 and Shrewsbury's, I think, was 65, maybe 66, something along those lines. So what that means is two out of one out of every three or so passes <laughs> either get, goes out of play is contested or um, is lost. And I think that just goes a far way to see about the style of game it was. And it wasn't that, that either team was was playing kind of poor passes that were getting intercepted. It was just a really transitional game in tough conditions. I would argue that, you know, with my Lincoln City kind of hat on, the conditions were significantly harder for Lincoln first half than they were for Shrewsbury. The, the wind was very much in our face. And you know, I just have to say, wind is strong wind is probably the worst condition to play football in heavy rain is fine even snowing is fine you can kind of it doesn't have a massive a huge effect on on the game because it's the same for both teams when it's windy and it's in really blowing towards one end it, it really does make it difficult and i think that was a that was a pretty obvious the amount of times that we tried to clear our lines the ball went up in the end just kind of got held up and we couldn't get out i think it'd be a miss to attribute the whole performance and the whole style of the game just to the conditions but there's no denying that the conditions certainly helped um i don't think we had a shot on target in the first half at all shrewsbury had probably the only real major talking point and, and highlight of the first half good counter attack led to a one-on-one -on -one. good save by by lucas jensen so that kind of kept us kept us in the game 
you know, I wouldn't say it was a guilt edge chance that he should score. It was a good save. It was a, it was a big opportunity, but it's not a sitter as such. Um, it was just a good opportunity. But yeah, we went in at half time. Both you and I messaged each other thinking, how on earth are we going to fill time talking about that first half? Well, I'm about to carry on talking about the first half rather than move on to the second half. So um, we're going to do our best and hopefully keep it more entertaining than the first half was. First of all, I agree with you. Uh, and we've got to find things that we disagree with, which we'll come on to a little bit later on, I think, in the show. But um, I, I, uh, I, I, I say agree that I think the conditions were tougher for Lincoln. It's easy to say, oh, it's the same for both teams, but it's not when the wind is is in your face or behind in, in your back. And I think Shrewsbury, whether they won the toss and decided to go with it, I would imagine. So um, they thought, well, if we can get in at half time, one nil up or something like that, you can, you can break a team's resilience. We had one shot in the first half off target, which was Rico Hackett's drive. It was a decent drive. Our XG was 0.04, which means that essentially he could take that shot 20 times and it would go in probably once. Um, so, Shrewsbury's XG was 1.11 in the first half, but that's nine shots, by the way, and one on target. So actually, all their efforts, could, you know, on average, they could take every one of those efforts 10 times and they would only score once. So it really wasn't a game of very many chances. I thought the chance they did have, I thought it was a poor decision. Uh, and we've just done another podcast where I've said that the Perry didn't square it because if it, it was to Bowman and Bowman may as well hit it with a sledgehammer. That's, you know, I don't rate the lad. But he's, he's clear, he's penalty spot. If you can find that ball and roll it across to him, Shrewsbury go one nil up. But I think I think he's just kind of you know seen it flash before him. How many times do we see it at a footballer? Tunnel vision. And you'll be you're critical sometimes of players that try and set up chances for others too much. I thought it was a little bit greedy. I thought it was a real let off. I thought it was a good save from Jensen. I thought he'd had a tough opening 10, 15 minutes. He misjudged a corner, which um, he kind of went to catch and Dunkley headed it back across couple of the balls he put out okay that's wind assisted to be fair and Mariosi Morosi and their goal assisted, yeah Morosi and their goal you know he was terrible with his distribution as well so it's easy to be critical when you oh, it's all gone out of play but you're a goalkeeper so I know you'll defend Jensen well for... yeah I'll put on that and goal kicks with the wind in your face is one of the most challenging situations you can do because if you catch it cleanly and you, you might reach the halfway line if you don't quite catch it cleanly and you just get a tiny bit of spin on it it just balloons up in the air and it goes like 10 yards, not that much further than 10 yards. It's actually safer to aim wide and to go, you know what, if it goes out for a throw-in, that's fine. We can set up to defend a throw-in wide. The last thing you want to do is spoon it up in the air. It goes up 10 yards outside the area and your centre-halves are contesting your header. That reminds me, there was one one game. God knows how that game went ahead. I couldn't remember where it was. It was for rugby a few years ago. It was the windiest game I've ever been involved in. And I took a goal kick and I caught it as clean as I've ever caught a goal kick. And it went up in the air. The wind caught it. It spooned up. It went over my crossbar for a corner. So at least he didn't do that. <laughs> he didn't. And look, it was a good save. The first half, we had zero crosses. And going into this game, by the way, we average seven crosses per half. So we've played 57 crosses in four games, seven per half, 14 per game. We didn't manage one in the first half. Um, we didn't get a corner in the first half. We didn't have a counter attack in the first half. We were penned in. We were penned in by the wind and we were penned in by 
actually, I thought an organised Shrewsbury team. And OK, it's Solid, winning Really, yeah. yeah, still, they were incredibly well. I thought Dunkley was outstanding. Yep. I think their midfield three dominated our midfield two. Yeah. Um, their wing backs got forwards. I think Shipley was it Shipley on the left? I think he he got forward. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I don't. I think it would be. I don't think Shrewsbury deserved to go in one nil up. I don't think it was. There's no clear, not enough clear cut chances to justify being one nil in my opinion. I think it should be the game should have been nil nil overall. Um, but there's no denying that Shrewsbury were the better team in the first half, and I agree with you. Out of possession, particularly. We didn't really, you know, Shrewsbury didn't give us a, a sniff. They they counted our threat really, really well. We talk about game of two halves. This wasn't a game of two halves. This was a game of two thirds, three thirds, one third. I don't know. Because <laughs> up to 60 minutes, even when they came back out, by the way, and they had the wind in their face, they still forced a corner. They still forced a save from Jensen, which he made, by the way, look really easy when it wasn't. It was a header just, and he's kind just of... Just caught it one-handed. Just caught it one-handed. And I, I don't know. I, I just thought, well, it's somebody offside. He's just gone so nonchalantly as if, like a dad playing with a bunch of five-year-olds and a <laughs> tennis ball. Yeah, he's reached out and caught. And we'd had a, we had an opportunity. We had a single opportunity, I believe, uh, just before that, I think Ethan Hamilton had our first effort. Um, but going into 60 minutes, we were our XG was still 0.1, something like that. We were still well, well down. Um, and I know that we've kind of fast-forwarded a little bit, but Mark Kennedy was able to make a couple of changes. We'll come to discuss some of the finer points of the players that came on, but here's a stat for you. 60 minutes onwards, XG for Lincoln, 0.89. XG for Shrewsbury, none. Shots, one for Shrewsbury, not on target. Lincoln, five and two. Positional attacks, 10 for Lincoln. We even had a counter-attack. We put two crosses into the box, both successful in those final three. The changes, just like a week ago when we were talking about Wickham, the changes actually changed the game. And it's funny, isn't it? Because we were having similar conversations on Tuesday about how the changes didn't, how they altered the game against us. They didn't change it in our favour and, and Northampton came on to us. Three games, three sets of substitutions, Um and in this case, it worked again. Well, I think you say the changes have probably won us six points in the last two games and lost us two. So that's plus four, plus four goal difference or points uh, points tally for Mark Kennedy, really, isn't it? In terms of the his changes have directly impacted the outcome of the game again. Um, I, I like the boldness of it, to be honest, and, and I think it's it's nice to see because he's got the op- he's got the options on the bench and he's got the ability to do that now. It was a combination for me of the personnel, the profile of the personnel, but also the shape change. We went from our regular three four three, we changed to a three five two, so we went with Rico and Ben House went up top as a two, and then as a midfield three with Irahan of the deepest two, with Ted on the right of the three and. Um, Hamilton on the left of the three, but they had license to both had license to get forward and they both did at times. It just meant we had an extra man centrally. And one of those men was Teddy Bishop, who just got on the ball so well in a game that was crying out for someone just to have a bit of composure on the ball, to pick a pass, to drive forward, just to have a little bit of, dare I say, quality, really, because it was a game that was lacking on quality, really, on the ball, wasn't it? There was there was lots of huff and puff showing from both sides. There was lots of kind of physical 
Um, strength side, I was really impressed with Udo once again for Shrewsbury for his just sheer physicality, his pace, his presence. But Teddy just got on the ball, calmed us down, and got things happening. And you know, we're going to come on to maybe discuss him in, in a bit more depth in a bit in terms of the pros and cons of Teddy Bishop. But but we said it a week ago, and we're saying it again now. Teddy's come on the pitch for half an hour and had a real impact on the game. And yeah, what five minutes after those changes, we we go a goal up. And it was a goal that I thought reflected something that Mark's been saying about recycle the ball, get it in, get it in, because it's it, it's a, an attack that's fallen to Rowan on the left. I think he's put the cross in. Uh, memory serves me somehow. It's, it's fallen to Pordy. Pordy's shot, deflected out. Sorensen picks it up. And then last just shows a little moment of quality to find uh, Ethan Hamilton. And when you talk about quality, and, and Ted, absolutely, we're going to come on to in a moment. But I thought Ethan Hamilton showed that little bit of class. Mark Kennedy picked up that when he's, he's taken his first touch, he's looking away from goal um, and he's put it in the back of the net. I was so annoyed when Mark Kennedy said that because I, I I make notes uh, as I'm watching the game and I wrote that down when we scored. Again, this is a, <laughs> I was felt really good at myself. This is a really interesting... Because I'm not normally best at picking up kind of technical points. I like to think I've got a decent understanding kind of tactically, but the kind of the final kind of technical details is something that I'm maybe not quite as uh, as good at. And I noticed like in one touch, he'd gone from back to goal to facing goal, which allowed him to get the shot off. I thought, oh, this is going to be a really good point to put on the podcast tomorrow. And then Mark Kennedy goes and says it in his interview, and now it just sounds like I'm copying him. I was so annoyed at that, Mark. Please, please stop saying good points in the in the interview, <laughs> so it makes me sound more clever, please. Uh, but he's absolutely right, though. It was it was a little bit of quality. And again, in a game that did lack it, let's be honest, in those little moments, um, Ethan Hamilton showed a, a good bit of quality to you know, take one touch, turn, and get a really good shot away. You know, that's a good good area to shoot. Keep it low, hit the corner, 1-0. On well, the balance of the whole 90 minutes, of course, undeserved. On the balance of that 10 minutes, I think, you know, we were creating stuff. Again, nothing too, too clear-cut. Uh, it's going to be a miss. It'd be criminal for me to say that we deserve to win the game it should have been the game had nil nil if it was played 10 times it would be nine times it would be it would finish nil nil but once you score that goal I unlike on Tuesday I didn't feel that we were going to concede no I didn't throughout the entire final 15-20 minutes I didn't feel that Shrewsbury had an answer to the question that we had then posed. And I think that that goes as much to where they are as a club and where we are as a club as anything in that a year ago, that would have been us. So a year ago, we let's say somebody scored against us at home. We didn't have the answers. We, we didn't have somebody that we could bring on and we picked up on it in the podcast. We were talking the Fleetwood when we drew two, two and they brought the big lad on up top. I seem to remember and forest green where we yeah. drew one all and they brought with Connor Wickham on and, and I was saying we don't have the options on the bench to be able to do that. And now you look at the bench and you can bring on, I mean, you bring on Ben House, you're bringing on a, a proven League One striker. And actually House nearly created a goal for us when he first came on with his persistence, fighting to the byline, teeing up last. Thought it was a you know, really good effort, which decent save. You can bring on Alistair Smith, who you know has yet to really get going, but you know that he's going to add something. And, and you bring on Ted and Look, we, we've got to talk about Ted because you and I did a podcast in the summer where I'm sure we said something along the lines of, along the lines of he's a forgotten man. You pick your best 11. Well, we didn't he's know where he fitted, did we? Neither of us knew no. where he fitted. We, we was naming kind of you want two players for a position and he wasn't the first player in any position. For any position. Pitch. Yeah. 
And yeah, I I wrote him off. I'll be honest. I was thinking he, he's someone you can't necessarily rely on. He's got undoubted quality. There's no denying he's got undoubted quality. It was his consistency, and it was where did he fit in the system? But bloody hell, he's has he fitted in when he's come on in his two half hour cameos last Saturday and yesterday as well. Changed the game on both on both occasions. And it's hard because you know, Mark Hone was saying in commentary. Um, or not Mark Home, it might have been Gav Gordon actually, or Michael Horton was saying, you know, if he keeps doing that, he's he's got to play, he's got to play, he's got to start. I'm just thinking, actually, in the modern game, is there room for a player who doesn't start games, who does come on with 30 minutes? And if so, actually, Ted's perfect for that because if his fitness is always a question, and it is always a question, and it, yeah, it was while he was at Ipswich, it has been while he's been with us, and you can get him to be happy to go, right, you're going to come on for 30, 35 minutes most games and add something new maybe with the being able to make five substitutes maybe with the the big deep benches actually that role is something in modern football that's more acceptable than when you were naming a squad of 12 and you know david fairclough got the super sub uh, moniker for liverpool i mean i know i'm going back a long way then but do you think it's acceptable or do you think that Ted is eventually going to be half? Because if you're if you're mentioning Ted in a starting 11 capacity, you've got to take out either Ethan Arahan or Ethan Hamilton. And at the moment, I don't think I mean, you could never take out Ethan Arahan because he's the heartbeat. It'd be like, you know, taking the heart out of your body and go and go off and live. You can't. So would you drop Hamilton? I'm not so sure. I mean, it's a nice it's a nice it's situation, a nice situation to, be in. to be in. Is there is a space for someone like that in the squad, though, that you mentioned in terms of? that's going to come on for half an hour plus each game. Well, that's in addition to the, the more subs, etc. also the fact that, generally speaking, we're going to see more added on time now as well. It's, it's going to be more than half an hour. Even if you come on on 60 minutes, you're probably going to end up playing 40, there or thereabouts. So, from a manager's perspective, yes, if you've got someone off the bench and you know you can change a game, I think it's a brilliant tool to have and kind of just, just as a backup. If you're Ted Bishop or any footballer, you want to play. You want to start games. You want to play 90 minutes. You want to make an impact for the whole game. So and let's not forget you're coming in a 3-5-2 with Ethan Hamilton and Ethan Arahan on Saturday. So a shape change could, could definitely accommodate him. Next to Ethan, I think if he does start, he plays next to Arahan. But that's incredibly harsh on Hamilton. It's a good problem to have if you're Mark Kennedy because it gives you options. And I think Mark was really... Um, smart in his interview when he when he answered that question about Ted, saying that you know just kind of justifying that at some point if he keeps playing like this he's going to have to start. But at the moment he's he's just not ready. He's not physically capable of doing that. So in the meantime, I don't think that's a a real pressing issue. I think we can expect to see him coming on off the bench for the next few weeks. But if he does continue on the similar sort of form as he is now, and his fitness does catch up with the rest of the squad, relatively speaking, of course. It's definitely a question. It's definitely a question. And I don't know the answer. And I'm not sure Mark Kennedy knows the answer yet either, but it's it's nice to have the option, isn't it? Like you just mentioned, this time last year, we didn't have the option. He, he either played, he started, or he was injured. They were the two options. Uh, whereas now, we have got options. I don't think you need an answer, if I'm honest. I don't think you need to come up with an answer for, to a conundrum because every game um, uh, is different. Every situation develops differently. It's like you say, I just think it's great to be able to have Ted on the bench. I'll stand corrected. I genuinely thought that he was going to be one that, you know, if we could have got rid in the summer, we would have done. Whereas it's quite clear that that's not the case anymore. And 
And if you've got the Ted Bishop that scored twice against Fleetwood and the one that scored, was it against Barnsley in the Cup or Doncaster, one of the two. And there was one moment in the second half, after, I think it was after we had scored, where he picked up the ball on the edge of our area and he just ran with it. And he made 25, 30, 40 yards. And for me, that was what was needed. The ball wasn't sticking in the first half and the wind had a lot to do with that. And if the ball doesn't stick, make it stick, take it there yourself. And that, that, that was just a real key moment for me. It was just this driving run. And that can get your supporters off the seat. If that's a home game and it's nil-nil, and you bring a player on and he gets on the ball and makes that driving run, that can turn you. And I remember, I think it was Derby at home last season and Tashan came on. And let's face it, Tashan did very, very little for Lincoln City. But in that game, I remember him picking up the ball and I seem to think you and I messaged about it. And he, he, he carried it forward 20, 30 yards when we were under pressure at one point. And sometimes that's all it needs. It's just a bit of bravery and a bit of of carry the ball forward and another player who I think has the potential to do that who I think had a decent game yesterday but won't get picked out at all is Rico Hackett and I just want to talk about Rico for a minute because when he signed he was a player that Portsmouth fans didn't particularly rate he came here and they were like can't believe you've taken him etc etc I think Yesterday, I mean, obviously he had the, I think he had two shots in the end that, that that kind of flew over. He's not afraid to get on the ball. He's not afraid to try and run with the ball. He was crowded out a little bit yesterday. Um, he's a player who has impressed me consistently in every game so far uh, for different reasons. He never gave up yesterday in a game where actually what used to be called the fancy Dan Winger who wants to get on the ball. If the winds are a little bit against him, if you're getting knocked about a little bit by a big centre-half and that sort of thing, sometimes your head can drop. And I, I had, I'm i really impressed. Of all the summer signings, at this moment in time, I'm more impressed with Rico than anyone else. We're meant to be disagreeing more, but I agree with you completely. <laughs> I've been really, really impressed with Rico Hackett. Yesterday, there was two players in one because, like you said, when he had the opportunity, which was rare, um, more off so obviously later in the game, when he had the opportunity to get on the ball and to, to, to run with it and to take players on, he still did that. We've seen more of that in previous games because he's had more of an opportunity to do that. We've seen his ability to score goals from um, kind of having a poacher's instincts against um, Wickham, which obviously a brilliant finish against Northampton from outside the box. And at times in the first half, like we didn't, it didn't stick too often, but when we needed an out ball, we needed someone to chase. And we needed someone to challenge an outside centre half for a header. He 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 was a nuisance in that regard. He he, he made it more uncomfortable for Shrewsbury than they'd like it to be. To have a player who, if he was going to pigeonhole him, you'd put him in as a tricky winger. But there's just more to him than that, isn't there? And yeah. I, uh, yeah, I I think Portsmouth fans maybe just didn't give him a chance. I don't know if he had the opportunity to impress there. Sometimes players just don't fit in systems, don't fit in clubs, but. I'm delighted we've got him, and he's, uh, you know, considering when we first signed him, we, we didn't know whether he'd even be a starter. Thought he might be a useful squad player. For me, he's one of the first names on the team sheet at the moment. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Absolutely. Um, one other thing I want to pick up on because we're nearly at thirty minutes, and Incredible. we were worried if we were going to get ten out of it. Um, but it's the situation with Danny Mandroyu. So it seems quite complex. This, and we're making some some assumptions. So Danny Mandroyu was uh, reportedly injured in training on Friday. Mark Kennedy then told a story about a key Lincoln City player 
who needed injections when he got to the ground, which, you know, obviously we hadn't brought the right kit. I, I don't, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't understand physiotherapy particularly, but it sounds suspiciously like we've got to the game and Danny Mandroyo has needed an injection to play, which Shrewsbury Town have administered rather than us. He's then taken off. Now, when he's taken off, there's reports that he's walked around the pitch and has walked past Lincoln fans and hasn't acknowledged them. And you know that that kind of it can be quite a divisive moment. Um, I saw a comment on social media that, you know, he hasn't acknowledged the fans as he's walked past. Um, so it's an interesting situation from from back to front, isn't it? Because there's so many things to unpack there. Mm. First of all, if he is injured and he has needed that injection, why risk when we do have the options to shuffle things about? And if if we don't feel confident enough to have gone right, we'll start without Danny Mandroyu, then obviously that does put a little bit of pressure on the recruitment team as we come to the end of the window. Two, um, should Shrewsbury have done that? Would we be happy if a team have turned up at Sinsel Bank and their key player needs an injection? Do you know what I mean? It's very it's very good of them. Well, I think yeah, you've got to credit Shrewsbury for agreeing to do that you know, in the right in the right spirit. If Bristol I'm Rovers completely... want to do it. No, obviously, if I'm on it, if I'm honest, if I'm the manager of a team and someone who's massively, like, they're literally the best player in the team in terms of output so far this season, there's the sort of player that probably in your tra- in all of your training before the week before, you're going, how are we going to deal with Danny Mondroyu? I'm going to say, no, bugger off. If it means we haven't got to deal with you, that's your problem. Thank you. No. We're out of yeah. painkillers. Yeah, sorry. So fair, so fair play to Shrewsbury for that. I think that that's that's you know kind of good sportsmanship to show that um, it wasn't a Danny Mondrew game. Let's be honest, the type of the style of game it was, particularly in the first half, it just did not suit Danny Mondrew. He must have touched the ball what ten times now, Max. And you could you could see he was struggling as well. Yeah, and he was clearly getting frustrated. Yeah, um, he wasn't quite himself. But now we know why. If, he, if you know if you're trying to run around with a, with a broken toe or you know a suspected broken toe. That's not very fun. That does hurt. You're not going to be quite be yourself if you're if you're trying to do that. I think that's a really valid point in, in asking the question, why does he start? Um, we know we've got the tactical flexibility. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. You think, well, if we started three, five, two, everything would have been all right for the whole 90. It's not quite as simple as that, is it? You know, but um yeah, it's interesting. I suppose if you have got someone that's injured, you're never ever gonna bring them on because you never ever want to bring someone off the bench who has carried an injury and then risk having to bring them off again. And wasting two subs. So if you're if you're convinced that they're gonna play, you do start you always start them from a manager's perspective for that for that reason. Um but with the options we have in the team, did you need to? You know, that's an interesting discussion. I'm not I'm not sure really. Um with this, the way the game turned out, the style of game it was, I think I'd have probably been tempted to to, to, to maybe just not not include him in that regard. But I suppose it's going to be a big question marks ask if he's not in the squad at all. Exactly. And I suppose kind of we we talk about having the flexibility, but actually wide forwards where we've normally had four every year. We've got Duffy, we've got Hackett and we've got Mandroyu. You kind of were putting Ted as a central midfielder. So we've got four mm. central midfielders. So perhaps we are one short. Um, and I, I think, again, I can't remember conversation was having but not a massive fan of Ben House playing out as one of the wide players yeah he can play there I definitely prefer him up top yeah and and I still say and this is one thing we do disagree on I actually think that Tyler Walker can play there as well 
Um, yeah, we definitely disagree on that. I don't yeah, think yeah. kind of cool. No, I, I think when you're a player that when you're a player that, that runs the channels and looks over the shoulder and that sort of thing, I think that you can play that inside forward role. Not in the same manner as the ones that we've got, but inside forward time, in terms of but that's what they are. Specifically, if you're playing against a back four and you can get and you can exploit that space between the fullback and centre half, make that run in behind. Obviously, not the same quality of player, but think of when Liverpool were good and they had Mane and, and Salah kind of in those inside forwards. It was always the wide forwards that actually got on the end of the, the three balls rather than the centre forward themselves. In that type of role, I think it could work. I think you're massively losing a lot of what Tyler Walker offers if you do that personally. Yeah, you are. But um, you're losing a lot of what Ben House offers if you play him out there as well. Yeah, so maybe we are a, a bit light in that regard. I think yeah. that window isn't shut. And if we do bring someone in, it'll probably be in that position. But I think at the moment, the way the squad is made up is if we've got three players to play in two roles. And then we've either got in-game, you bring Dylan Duffy on for one of the other two, or you change to a 3-5-2. And th- there are two options in that in that yeah. position in that in that situation. I think at the, as it stands at the moment. And so we'll move on, and we'll move on to um, we won't move on. One more Chris point. Put his that's hand okay. Up. Yeah, which I did. In the, we just recorded another podcast, and I just realized and he did that, that is, again. That is exactly yeah. the same thing I did, and I didn't mean to ask for attention <laughs> last time, but this time I did. So clearly it was subconscious. Anyway, yeah. um, one thing that Mark Kennedy mentioned after the game was praising the resoluteness and the togetherness. And I think you know they're intangible, aren't they? It's difficult to kind of put a number on that. Mm. But I'm going to try. Um, Six. What? That's a number. <laughs> oh, a number right. Okay. Well, actually, 17, 17 is the number. Okay, go on. Brisbane had 17 crosses, one successful. Only one of their 17 crosses found a Shrewsbury player. That is enormous credit, considering the amount of balls that were in the box, and specifically in the first half again. The back three dealt with that admirably. And also, I just thought, and again, there isn't a number on this, but Ethan Arahan was outstanding yesterday without the ball. Just winning it back, his com- combativeness, is that a word? Um, combativeness. That's, thank you, that's the one, yes. Uh, so him sitting in front of the back three, plus the back three themselves, just purely defensively, I thought, were were excellent. Yeah, what happened in front of them, particularly in the first 60 minutes we discussed, wasn't pretty, wasn't ideal, was certainly below par. But when you've just been asked questions and you just have to defend, I think particularly those four, those four, so the back three plus Ethan, they did everything that was expected of them there and more. So like, you're quite right, 17 crosses, one accurate. So Shrewsbury's crossing accuracy was 5.88%. We had two crosses, both accurate. And one of those, at least one of those, led to the goal. I can't think if Sorensen's in that move also led to goal or if that led to Hamilton's. I can't remember. But um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, absolutely spot on. Look, let's take a little break where I see if I can tease you into ordering some McNuggets. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. 
The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Might not even have been me doing McNuggets. Might have been doing something else, but there we go. This is usually the point where we go on and we talk about the game that we've got coming up. But thankfully, certainly from Mark Kennedy's point of view, there's now a week to go before we play Blackpool, who have yet to concede a goal in the league. We'll talk about that on Thursday when we try and fill another podcast for you with a bit of a preview. But we do have some bits to talk about. First of all, we're going to talk about recruitment. Now, we've just mentioned how we may be light in the wide forwards role. It's my understanding that if we are to sign anybody else, it will be on loan and it's likely to be on deadline day or very close to it. So don't expect anything between now and then because we've signed the central defender that uh, that many people have said that we've needed. So the central defender, as you may have seen on a YouTube short that I've done, which isn't great because I'm crap at all that sort of thing. I'm not a social media Uh, person is Alex Mitchell. Alex Mitchell has come on loan from Millwall. He came through the Millwall Academy. If memory serves me, because I've made no notes, um, he was on loan at Bromley, I believe, and helped them to uh, the National League playoff uh, playoffs, which I think you only have to finish in about the top 18 to qualify for the playoffs these days in the National League. He then had a loan spell at Leighton Orient in League Two, where I think he started 23 league two matches but that may be give or take then last season he was on loan at St Johnston uh, in the Scottish Premier League he scored a late level for St Johnston against Celtic and then Celtic scored after that and won the game I think he was St Johnston's young player of the year that he was massively rated there um, I see the pictures and the videos of him and he looks like and do pardon my language here because it's going to get quite um uh, no, I'll, I'll refrain. He looks like a frigging unit. He's six foot three. Um, he looks more like the sort of person that you would see standing outside Pop World with a headset and a donkey jacket on saying, your name's not down, you're not coming in. Alex Mitchell signs and he was on the bench yesterday, Chris. He was. Interesting that he was on the bench ahead of TJ Omer as well. Don't know if that was a direct uh, replacement in regard to the squad. Um, or again, it was thinking... That's the style of centre-half that we're going to need to bring on because that's the style of centre-half that was playing for the majority of the game, maybe. But it's a good signing, adds real depth to the centre-back position. I think we're done there now. And it surprised me a little bit. It surprised me that we've we've signed a player who has quite so much first-team experience. You know, considering we've got a reasonably established back or Back three, but we've got four players who are all capable and who have all featured and all started so far this season already in Jackson, Ioma, O'Connor and Rowan. I was actually expected to see someone maybe a little bit further down the pecking order at their at their parent club, maybe a Premier League youth loan or something like that. A bit of a squad filler, to be honest. But Alex Mitchell has got the quality to play in League One. That is not, there's no doubt about that whatsoever. He is... Yeah, very robust centre-half, physically imposing. You've already kind of mentioned that. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how much he plays because 
I don't think any of the you know, all four of the back of the of the defender centre halves that have played so far this season probably deserve to start. They can't all start. Um, so that's only going to throw another one into the mix. It's really interesting. Um, but in terms of added quality and added depth to the squad, on paper, really good signing. Yeah, right footed, not left footed. Uh, I think left footed are harder to come by, but actually for the balance of the squad, left footed might have been nice. Um, but that's being really, really picky. Like you say, he's played a lot of first team football. And it's interesting there because you say we expected us to sign filler. But every time I've spoken to Liam or to Jez or to anyone around the club, they always say we'll only sign somebody that makes the first team squad better. And okay, people will go Luke Lange, Tasha Oakley-Booth. But at the time, you thought that those players were going to make the first team well, squad Well, they, they do make the squad better, the whole squad, because it gives you depth, doesn't it? But it's almost like every player that we've signed this this preseason, really, or this season so far, have been first team quality and have yeah. made... But the potent, at least have the potential to make the eleven stronger. That's I think really that's what I mean. When I say first team squad, I, I actually mean eleven, because I think every player that we sign can start. We've seen that with Jack Burrows, because actually at the beginning of the season you think, well, Jaden Brown on the left, uh, Lars Sorensen on the right, so we actually just need to sign some cover. Jack Burrows hasn't come out to cover, and I actually think Jaden Brown has got a real fight on his hands. Uh, to play at left wing back because I thought he struggled a little bit against Northampton. Being taken off at half time was a was a big statement in that game. Okay, it didn't work, but it was especially considering he was then dropped for the next match. Exactly. So it'd be interesting to see. And I, I liked the look of Jack Burrows against Shrewsbury. He didn't do anything particularly spectacular, um, but he he had a good solid game. So uh, that's Alex Mitchell. Obviously adds to our defensive um, out defensive um, cover. Uh, really interesting signing. I think we'll see a fair bit of him. I would have, to, I mean, my at the beginning of the season, I, I said that my preferred back three was Rowan, O'Connor and Ioma. Uh, but I'm finding it really hard to make a case against Adam Jackson for starting because I thought he had a really good game again yesterday. He puts his body on the line. Um, so it's interesting. And I thought actually Sean Rowan was, was very, very good. I thought today. Sean Rowan's, as, what has impressed me more than anything is his, his robustness. Yeah. Every game so far. Um, we've known he's had decent quality in the ball. We know he's a good young player. Last season at times, if there was any criticism, it was in those high-pressure moments in games, a little lack of concentration here, a little rash decision here and there. No evidence of that whatsoever. He's He's been... I think he's been outstanding so far this season, Sean Rowan, and been the only left-footed centre-half in the squad. For me, he has to start. He offers so, you offer so much more for the for the squad when you have a natural left-footed centre-half playing. So it's interesting. With, you know, if Sean's fit, he plays, in my opinion. If Audio kind of plays, he's a captain. You've then got Ayoma Jackson and now Mitchell kind of fighting for that right-sided centre-half role. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, if it's, everyone's fit, of course. It's, <laughs> it's a great situation to be in. And, and genuinely, we are, in my opinion, one player now away from having almost the perfect squad in terms of cover, in terms of flexibility, in terms of being able to play three in the midfield, in terms of being able to play double sixes or whatever you want to call them, or you know, two up top or wing backs or full back. We can nearly do everything. And it's the first time in a very, very long while we've had that flexibility. Dare I say, um, going back before Dan and Nick, 
because even then yeah. it was well we've got three center forwards we'll stick them all in we, we were always short in that area but it's one of the first times i can remember in many many years where bear in mind that this is in the days of however many subs five seven eight well the subs nowadays was it seven subs these days Seven. It's an eight. It's an eighteen, isn't it? Pete pulled me up on that. I I said a sixteen yeah. in my. In the Premier ball. League, it's nine subs now. So, as an eighteen, you know, we will name eighteen players for our game against Blackpool, and there won't be a player on the bench that couldn't have a slight shout of starting the game. Mm-hmm. It's the most balanced squad I think I've ever known in ever since I've been following Liga City. Yeah, that's a long time, um, and. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, yeah, well, that's it, really. That's the point. It's just, it's the most balanced it's been and the most comfortable I've been. We know that, you know, that the, the type of player, we can't go and pay a million quid for a certain player that can just add that little kind of shining light at the top. We haven't got the, the icing, well, the, the cherry on the icing on the cake, but the whole cake is iced now. I don't think it ever has been before. No, it hasn't. And away on loan, we've got at least two players who are ready to come back in as cherries or maybe currants somewhere into the mix. Um, but they're both impressing. Jay Ben, uh, first, he's the one I'm going to pick up first of all, because Jay Ben's probably one that Lincoln fans haven't really seen an awful lot of. He came in from Halifax. He went out on loan to Bohemians. He didn't really get a lot of football at Bohemians. Um, he's gone into Solihull Moors. He's playing right wing back. So they play a... I suppose you could call it a 5 4 1. They're very defensive, but he's playing right wing back of a 5 4 1. He's already got two assists. He got an assist again yesterday, uh, and he's really impressing at Solly Hall. Um, so, first of all, Jay Ben, I mean, it's, it's the position he's playing is a position that we need. And when I say that, you look at Charlie Kendall, who plays in a two up top. And you think, is, is Kendall the player that he can come in and impact our first team if he does well? Probably not. He's going to come in as part of that overall squad, the overall picture. Jay Ben, if he goes away and does well at Solihull Moors, is he a player that could come in in his position? And his position is in our first team starting. Yes, it is, because we play with a right wing back. So it's promising, isn't it? And it's nice to see a player who probably there's been a question mark, as in, is he any good? But a question mark, as in, what does he bring? Go and finally start doing something. Yeah, well, he's just improving, isn't he? I think as a Lincoln fan, we know you brought him in. Was it last summer? It was last summer, wasn't it? Yeah, you brought him in last summer, and you think, oh, it's an interesting sign, kind of a bit from left field a little bit. And like, as you mentioned, hasn't had a huge opportunity to impress. The little snippets we've seen have been kind of promising, but he just hasn't done it. If you're not a Lincoln City fan, you know even less about Jay Ben. And, you know, you think, oh, what, you know, who is this bloke, sort of thing. And the fact he's gone to the National League, which people say, oh, that's a level he's been at before, but he only played 12 games for Halifax. We were saying, we, I, I have to admit, I had him in a similar category as Charlie Kendall, because if he goes out there and he really, really, really impresses, brilliant, we've got a first-team player uh, or a potential first-team player. Even if he impresses loads, he doesn't slip slot right in. But you know what? The more, the more I kind of read into his performances, the more, just the more experience he gains... He does seem more and more of a young player out on loan to get him ready for a first team spot. Uh, so yeah, long mate continues. Played three games for for Solly Hall now. Um, I think three ninety minutes. Though you might correct me on that. And two assists in those three games as well. So he couldn't really have started much better. For him. Three three ninety minutes. He's played right central midfield, right wing back, and right back. Uh, and he's got two assists in those three games. 
He's delivered uh, three, four, seven or eight crosses. Accuracy, 67%, 100%, 33%. I mean, he's he's settling and look, it's a big step up from National League to League One. And he's not going to come back from Solihull Moors and go straight into our squad. Even if he does well at Solihull and we call, we call him in January, it's likely to be with a view to a League Two move. But it's a fantastic start for Jay Ben. Um, and the fact that he is the second player that I want to talk about, or the, the main kind of headline in terms of loans, has got to be Freddie Draper. And look, Freddie's Freddie's been right on everybody's radar ever since he got the goals against Watford in the FA Youth Cup. And everyone's going, that Draper looks a bit, he looks handy. Couple of abortive loans. I think he was at Gainsborough. He didn't do an awful lot at Gainsborough. He's obviously gone to Drahida. Absolutely, dare I say, smashed the arse out of it at Drahida. Come back, loan him to Walsall. The big question mark, huge question mark. Is he going to cut it in League Two? This is a key move for Freddie Draper. Well, it was. Is he going to play? Firstly, yeah. And is he going to cut it? He's he's he's, he's played almost every game so far. Three and games. every game he has played, he scored or assisted. Two assists, and he got a goal yesterday in the first minute uh, as they drew with Crew. He is playing up top in a two with uh, with Danny Johnson. He hasn't completed 90 minutes, um, 66 minutes, 70 and 72. So there's a, there seems to be a plan to switch things up 70 minutes. You expect that young centre-forward's coming off. I don't think that's any sort of slur on him. One goal and two assists in his first three games. If we, if we don't own Freddie Draper and you start looking at young players that you might like to to buy in January, and there's a 19-year-old who's opened the season with two assists and a goal after having however many goals and assists he had had at Drahida already. Um, I mean, if you if you count that kind of count that, I think what was it, eight goals and two assists at Drahida, and he's now nine goals and four assists. He's looking like some player, and and he's the sort of player that we could easily accommodate in our team. Yeah, well, he's your number one target in January, isn't he? If he's not a Lincoln yeah. City player. If he's if he's available, let's be honest. If someone's doing that, someone with that record, you'd expect hit that sort of player to be unattainable for Lincoln City in the transfer market. You'd expect a, a bigger and arguably not better. No one's better than Lincoln City, but a bigger club than Lincoln City to to, to, to kind of come in for him. So the fact he's ours and he's signed another, you know, he's, he's on a longer term deal. And he's also he mentioned he's, he's playing up for in the two. We can play in the two. But he's also got the physical profile to play up there by himself. He is the style of player that can play back to goal, but can run channels as well. I'm really excited about Freddie Draper. And the big question mark, as you said, was, right, he's done it in Ireland. Big test now in League Two. That's a, It's a real big opportunity for him. But there's no denying, I think, if he does continue this form into January, there's no denying that he's, he's, he's going to be League One ready. He definitely is going to be League One ready if this continues. Almost every other player that's out on loan, we want them to impress. We hope they do. They've all got another, most of them, not all, but they've all got, most of them have got another opportunity to go out for another loan. You mentioned Jay Ben there. If he does impress in the National League, great. Let's let's have the next step up for him, League Two. If he impresses there, then maybe this time next season, he can be a first team regular. Freddie Draper is a step ahead of that. If he continues this form and just 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 his overall performances have been impressive. You know, so his, his assist last week, Against Stockport was brilliant. You know, he won the ball back. He knocked a great ball in. So his link-up plays good. He showed a good striker's instinct yesterday. And he almost set up another goal as well with a real good kind of back-to-goal play. He looked every inch kind of a, a seasoned professional in that Walsall team. He didn't look like a young, a young kind of enthusiastic lad that's 
it's pleased to be there and trying to impress. He looked every inch a season pro. I've been super impressed with Freddie, and yeah, what what a player to have on your on your hands as a as a young as a young striker at the club. His xG, just his xG yesterday was one point six nine. Oh my god! He had, he had ten touches in the penalty area. Ten touches. Arguably, he should have scored more, but. It's well, like, I think his, his goal was about two yards out, so that's going to count as almost yeah, yeah. for XG. <laughs> but even <laughs> 10 touches in the penalty area is absolutely yeah, that's really impressive. It really is. And, um, yeah, I just think physically he's got everything. I mean, I remember talking to Sam Long um, in an interview when Freddie was still 16, 17, and he said this, this lad turned up at the boarding house and was like, this is our striker. And Sam Long just said, he's massive. And, you know, he's the one that's always looked, I think, like he was going to make it. I remember Michael Appleton saying in an interview I did with him, if Freddie Draper isn't our number nine in three years, I've done something wrong. Um, well, there's still every single chance. There's every chance of that. And, and this loan spell and the last loan spell. It just shows, I think, that we are making good picks for our loan, for our mm -hmm. loans as well. And Charlie Kendall to Sutton probably wasn't the greatest of picks. Um, at the time, but stylistically you know, as well, you know, Tisa House and play yeah. probably didn't fit either. I know, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing and all that, but it is yeah. very good, right? Well, that's Draper, that's Ben, that's Alex Mitchell, that's Shrewsbury, that's an advert. Um, we've got a kit launch this Thursday. I do wonder if it's had to be to be hurried along a little bit, given that we play Sheffield United away the week after and they play in red and white stripes, and therefore we couldn't play in our home kit or away kit against Sheffield United. Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. So it, it does, yeah. I Pete, to be, that at to all. be fair, I had a Pete message me, so I'm going to have to kind of, yeah, the Pete message and said, you're going to need to release your third kit. And then what do you know? The third kit's coming out. So whether he's been hurried or not, I don't know whether it was always the case. Um, so there's an opportunity to go down to the club to meet the players. That's at three o'clock on Thursday. I can't. The dog is being groomed and I have an actual job to do. But um, what uh, as, a, as a member of the supporters board, do you already know what it looks like? Uh, it's called the Fan Advisory Board now, by the way. What a, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and no, I have no idea what the kit looks like. Because my guess, I'm going with a lilac. I think we're going to go Is with Is there it. any foundation to that? Because there's, there's, there's lots of colours to choose from. What made you choose that one? Well, first of all, the the leaning over the last few years has been red and white stripes for home, obviously. <coughs> An away shirt that's kind of a pub shirt, so it's going to be a black, it's going to be a grey, it's going to be a white, it's going to be quite a basic coloured shirt. Last season's, for instance, black with the thin red. And then there's been a statement shirt recently, hasn't there, that's bold. Last year, <coughs> excuse me, last year was yellow, we had the blue with the paint on it. But there's also been a leaning towards classic shirts from the past. And we had a we had a lilac back in the early nineties, and we went back to two thousand and two ish with the yellow one. So yeah, I just I think I think lilac. Good shout. I like I like the justification for that. Um, can I be really honest? I don't care. No, I don't care either. I don't care as long as it's not just getting us to shit. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. I, I, how much don't I care then? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's just good. not for me. I get it. The club needs to make some money. When it's nice to have a statement shirt, you're more likely to sell 
those shirts that set a statement and just a kind of a, uh, a template kit of a different color than your home shirt. I, I completely get it. I've got nothing against it. It's just not my thing. And I, I know that's a bit, that's a bit, maybe sour to discover, but I just, it's just, I'm not bothered. It should be your thing. Goalkeeper shirts. So here's yeah, the thing. Go on. How many of those did you see the other last Saturday against Wickham? This is a very good point because I thought they were disgusting, by the way. But whoever buys a goalkeeper shirt, no one buys a goalkeeper shirt. So make your goalkeeper shirt a statement. Yes, yeah, some people hate it, but they're not going to buy it. Um, they wouldn't have bought it if it was lovely either. The fact it's I... a statement and it is that kind of Marmite, or they all, they all are, there's three of them to pick from. Yeah, you're right. I've seen a few of them around. Fair play. You know what? Criticised it at the, at the time, but there's something behind that, wasn't there? Fair Great, play. great marketing making them short-sleeved. Yep. Because they're not a goalkeeper shirt. They're just a normal shirt. I hated all three of them. I was really critical. I was like, I think I said, I think my exact words on Twitter were, it's like picking which um, is my favourite member of the Manson family. <laughs> and it, it turns out, Marilyn, um, because I have actually picked one of them. I mean, the one that looks like the away shirt from 92, 93. Oh, my. Do you know what? I saw it close up in the pub, and it could be our away shirt. And therefore... Well, I think you know that's what? the point, though, isn't it? If if it wasn't for the FA being finickety bastards, we needn't have bothered releasing our third kit this Thursday, which we just gone and print... God's just gone and got a load of our goalkeeper shirts in short-sleeved and gone and played away in those. Because that's how good they look. Well, there we go. People have been saying we have to disagree more. Yep. And there we go. Yep. George Campos <laughs> somewhere is sitting at home in Mexico, absolutely in admiration of Lincoln City. Yeah, fair enough. The... What, a, what a keeper. What a keeper. He's the, one that, he's the one that used to play out up front now and then as well, just randomly, like not just random games as well. He used well, to go subbed and then, or not, or get used to go and change his shirt and then go and play out. Is that the one, one that, No, I want that Shillivare. No, 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 that's not Shilavere. He's he was the Paraguayan, money And some free kicks, yeah. There's Rogerio Senni, who used to score... He scored over 100 goals in his career, free kicks and penalties. Brazilian. Right. But no, there, there's a... I think it was Campos. I got, it might have been Campos, the Mexican. Yeah, it might have been Campos, the Mexican. Oh. Anyway, but is he the one that used to design his own kits? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah they, were, okay. they were massive statement kits, weren't they? So. Yeah, they were. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... We played Shrewsbury Town. We had three shots on target. Chris and I were wondering how on earth we were going to do a podcast uh, that got anywhere near an hour. When we first started recording, we said 40 minutes will be great. As I'm looking at it now, we're on 59 minutes. I think that's absolutely plenty. It's been a good week. For I think so. Yes. It's been a good week for Lincoln City. Four points from two games. Probably deserve two points maximum from those two games. Um, key to a good side is pick up points when you're not playing so well. We saw last Saturday that we can pick up points when we are playing well. There's still plenty to be excited about. So all we can remain to say is enjoy the rest of your weekend if you're listening to this late on Sunday. Have a good week. We'll be back on Thursday. Up the imps. Up the imps. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. 
That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.